and welcome to another episode of It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the name of the podcast itself, because that is complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, Josephine. How are you today? Why are you today? Yeah, good question. Why am I today? Why? That is the question I asked when I woke up this morning. I woke up and went, why today? <laughs> why are you I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change, thanks to ThoughtWorks where I work. And I got to give myself the gender transgressive non-binary genderqueer, thanks to New Zealand where I was born. So thank you to both of those. I am what you get when you allow the queers to self-define. What else about me? Oh, I'm a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. Because branding. Hello, my name is Josephine Baird. I'm an independent scholar, activist and artist. Uh, I have performed upon occasion, making a spectacle of myself on the stage. Now I like to make a spectacle of myself in digital art, which you can see on the internet. And I like to think of myself as a queer without portfolio. And I don't put a hashtag in front of that because I'm not that good at because branding. <laughs> Just this second, I got a pling on my computer that you, dear listener, won't be able to hear. But what it is from is from one of the many social media apps that I had opened before I started recording, which I shall now dutifully close and ignore for you, and is the perfect segue into our topic for today. Which is social media, because social media is complicated. We got talking about this because when we started out, we didn't immediately do the Facebook page and the Patreon and the Twitter page and the Instagram and the going everywhere on social media. And that was a very deliberate decision because some of those places are so toxic because the people who run them, who manage them, who fence them, allow that toxicity to be part of the narrative. They allow that toxicity within their space because it gets them more eyeballs. People want to come and see the car crash that is Jesus fucking Karen and Glenna and Katie Hopkins. People want to use a space in a particular way and you either put up with the hate speech and the trolls or you find a way to troll the hate speech and the trolls, which some of us do. And I think that creates a very interesting relationship between ourselves and the social medias we use we see it as free speech we see it as a space where we should be able to say anything but it is in fact controlled by people moderated by people that we don't know the rules of in a lot of ways we don't know the whys of in a lot of ways and that creates really complicated relationships and i think we have a very complicated relationship with social media I think it might be useful just to sort of note that I think Dr. J and myself are old enough to remember when there was not such a thing as social media. Now, that may sound weird to those of you who are uh, of a similar age or older who might be listening and go, of course. But there are plenty of people now who I'm hoping are listening to this too, who will go, what do you mean? Social media has always existed. Because it's that generational moment at this time when 
you're waving at me. No, I was just going to say I disagree no, because no, please disagree. I think as queers, we have a different relationship with social media and internet than the heteronormative norm. And I know this from my own experience. So when I first got a computer with a modem, I joined bulletin boards, which were the original social media and started to find these gay bulletin boards. And I'm old enough that Josephine's going, you joined what? These Uh, were, I was there too, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, I joined them up and started to try to meet people and then was on Usenet forums and was on ICQ and IRC, which were all social media before social media actually existed. They were platforms. And then we were on specific chat forums here in the UK. So I think there is something that we as queers instinctively do with every single social internet interaction. Probably if somebody goes back and has a look at what scribes were writing in Assyria on all the tablets that are floating around, there were little notes going, single gay man seeks similar, and please reply. I wondered where that was going. Because I'm sure that there are little notes somewhere in the margins between the scribes of queers desperately trying to reach out to other queers and always looking to find other people like ourselves. And one of the ways that I show this to people, and there's always exceptions, but this is the overall guide. On my social media, I still have the majority of the people I am friends with on Facebook, for example, are not people who I have met in real life. They are people who I might have seen once at a festival or have heard of as a performer or have met through our friendship about a performer and we have never physically met. And yet I look at my family or my work friends on their social media and most of the people who they have on their social media are people who they are either related to, they've known this person, they've done coffees with them for 30 years or they have worked with. And they can't see why I would want to connect with people I have never met. And I can't see why they would want to stay in contact with people they went to school with. (laughs) I thought you were going to say why they'd want to stay in touch with people they know. It is that weird difference. And it's kind of one of those things of you point it out and people go, yeah. And I'm like, yes, broadly. It's a broad brush. It's a broad paint. But it's the different ways that we use these same tools, which is why I was disagreeing with Josephine saying it's a modern phenomena. And I'm like, it's not. Literally, the queers have been reaching out to each other since the first times that people could start to interact remotely. Actually, I wasn't going to say that it wasn't something from time immemorial. I agree. What I was saying is that social media as a thing has only been in our world for (laughs) X number of years. It's something that I remember not existing and then existing. Now, don't get me wrong. You're right. Before that, there were zines and pamphlets and things that I was aware of that were literally handed out in bars as to communicate for queer people to be in touch with each other. I also agree with the fact that that I think queer people use the internet quite differently and specifically social media quite differently from those who aren't identifying themselves as queer. I know that because my not finished PhD has a chapter on this and only this for about 
I don't know, I can't remember how long it is. It's a long bloody chapter about, I was studying internet forums and social media specifically saying, isn't it interesting how queer people use it very, very differently. And the third thing I wanted to highlight before I actually move on was I absolutely love your in the margins on the tablets. In the margins is an amazing way of putting it. There is literary theory on trying to read queer stories between the lines or in the margins, literally in the margins of texts, things that were added or amended, addendums, things that were cut out, stuff like that, that does chart our history throughout time. So I agree entirely. Yes, I think queer communities have been seeking opportunities to connect with each other, especially across time and space, because they're often isn't very many of us who are out in our immediate vicinity because of many, many reasons. I've certainly lived in places where I very much felt like I was the only person who was queer in that environment. And with the advent of social media, discovering that is most certainly not the case, (laughs) even in my immediate environment, but also being able to connect with people a world away, literally has been a truly wonderful experience in that regard social media has been quite exceptional for our community it has meant that we can communicate across boundaries that we would never be able to cross otherwise people who couldn't travel can speak to people in new york and connecting to people who i would never been able to meet many of whom i consider my heroes i can speak to on twitter if i need to about these very things in that regard social media has been exceptional And yet it has a most certainly got a dark side that I think for many people may overshadow the good. And it seems to be that there's a real tipping point at the moment, the sort of scale of, is it worth it? Is it not? Because I've seen several people, notable trans and queer people um, on different social media sites discussing whether or not they want to stay in those social media forums because of the toxicity, because of the, the way it opens them up to abuse from complete strangers. So even that very same method of contact that they've been using to discuss things with people, they're trying to decide whether or not it's worth it. And that's so desperately sad. And I cannot in any way blame them. I mean, this is why we didn't have the initial presence. You were beginning to explain that. And I would love to hear what you were thinking. There was a, a critique there that we only want to live in little bubbles of like-minded people. Mm. And I've been contemplating this a lot simply because for research purposes and to know one's enemy is to know yourself. I've been keeping an eye on Gab. Don't even go in there. I've been keeping an eye on 4chan again. I just roll my eyes. I've had to. And I've had to do this because of Prideful, because the people that I was helping build Queer House Party for, I needed to go and understand what the threat was because we had some friends who were Zoom bombed. So I had to understand what these people's thoughts were on Zoom bombing and how they were planning on doing it and into some of the open discussions about it. Prideful is something that comes around every single year. And let's be clear, every single year, the same stuff comes back. And it's effectively a supposedly orchestrated attempt to disrupt conversations around LGBTQ plus identities in ways that equate us to pedophiles, 
they post lots of pictures of trans surgeries in a way of like, ooh, isn't this disgusting? I'm just like, seriously? It's a surgery picture. Every surgery picture looks awful. The surgery picture for me getting a plate in my leg is horrific. The goal is to reduce pride language or to stop people being proud of being gay by trying to harass companies that say, we support gay rights by saying, do you support paedophilia and things like this. Every year they come around and every year... If you're doing anything that's online, that's around Pride, you need somebody who's gone and read what their plans are for this year. And unfortunately, that sometimes that's fallen on me. And I can set up a computer to be completely safe and untraceable and all of those things and then wander around the open parts of 4chan and go, there's nothing here that causes me any major concerns. If there was anything that did, I also know how to protect the communities that I work for and can sit there and say to people watch out for posts like this or don't feed the trolls and stuff like that so that's kind of prideful it's serious but it's not and it's only not serious because you can look at it and go this is what they're going to say this is what to watch out for and if I see any people like that or any posts like that replying to my work social media account, for example, I can just let the people know, oh, this is a prideful post, just ignore the trolls and report them. I mean, that's the thing of like being aware of what the media can do. I mean, I think that's the crazy thing about social media, especially since it's so new to our world and yet so utterly pervasive that I don't think people entirely know what they're doing on it. And thankfully, that means those people who are going to be horrible are, for the most part, incompetent. And it's a good <laughs> thing. But of course, as Dr. Joseph mentioned, that means that they have to go around reading this stuff to make sure that they can create safer spaces online, which we are very grateful for, because God knows I, I need those spaces sometimes too. But it is interesting for the last couple of decades watching and researching social media use and seeing this happen in this way. I agree. I think one of the great advantages of social media is that it allows you to connect with people who you wouldn't see in your own bubble. Of course, people tend to curate their social medias to the point where they only have their bubble and so have an echo chamber, which is unfortunately quite dangerous. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to let in those prideful trolls who are going to just spout bullshit at you. However, it does mean that politically queer communities can use social media to get their message to people who wouldn't have access to it otherwise, Mm. whether that be people who aren't out who need to access it through social media and therefore can do it through an open forum for those people who might be adversaries otherwise to maybe learn something that they didn't know to change people's minds. These are the positive aspects. For me, a lot of it is trying to just build a kinder, social media space, accepting that there can be differences and points of view and there can be clear and honest and kind discourse without it reverting into trolldom. Now, I've had moments of having success, of having kind and nice discourse with people, and I've developed a little litmus test response that I paste in And depending on how somebody responds to that is whether or not I put them into my, okay, you're a troll and I'm just not going to 
continue this conversation with you or I'm not going to continue a conversation with you that's not just a copy paste of some random non sequiturs because when they go low we go weird that's your mantra on Twitter I know it's my mantra on Twitter but there's people who made a comment and they've come back and they've seen the reason behind that they've seen that I've tried to empathize with their situation and while I may not agree with their action and I may question them I'm doing it in such a way that shows that I understand where they're coming from or I'm trying to empathize with where they're coming from and find a common ground between us. And I think that's important because just slamming somebody to say you're homophobic based on 150 characters or 240 characters or a short post doesn't help if you can't see where that person's coming from. And if you can see where that person's coming from, you can approach them in a way that says, hey, here's a slightly different way of thinking about the situation that you are in. And seeing them respond to that and go, that's a good way of describing where I am. And then you can actually start a dialogue and start bringing that person into a different way of thinking. But a lot of social media just turns into troll wars, just turns into, well, I'm not, well, you are, la, 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 la. And it's a bit like a playground. Well, but I think this is the interesting thing with this discussion is it brings into it all kinds of conversations about freedom of expression versus those people who are specifically trying to abuse others or to bully them or even to cause them harm beyond just that, because that's harm enough, to cause them harm in different ways. What is unique to social media that changes the discourse that would be had in, say, the street or in a newspaper or writing a book or writing a letter to someone randomly <laughs> or being threatening in, in really weird ways, which don't get me wrong, I've had all those happen. <laughs> but it's like there is something particularly unique about social media, as you put. It is requiring an entire population to learn how to express itself in a text format for the most part. Although that's changing, of course, with the advent mm. of TikTok and, and others. But to be able to communicate themselves, for example, on Twitter in a, 140 characters for the most part, to have a discourse that is important or socially impactful is possible there for certain, but is also very, very much curtailed by the medium itself. And to understand that medium and its peculiarities has to be something that someone who is examining it has to do. They have to know that it is a unique forum. It is a forum, but it is a unique one. There's nothing quite like it. And people are not so used to using it. It's really, really difficult, but there are themes. And I think Jay's highlighted some of them, which are really interesting. The element that is really, really negative and that we've avoided by not having a social media presence ourselves to begin with realizing that as we have continued, the social media presence is pretty much required for what we're trying to do. It was and the only way to secure our name on Patreon. Apparently, in order to convince another social media platform that you exist, you have to have an account on a different social media platform, which you can get completely arbitrarily. So it's just bizarre. It's like it's feeding on itself. It's, if you've ever read the book um, American Gods by Neil Gaiman, it reminds me of the god of all internet interconnective technologies and how fucked up that particular god is and how it feeds on itself and it is completely asynchronous to itself because that's what social media feels like. However, by being complicated, has many unique opportunities. You can connect to people you wouldn't be able to otherwise, which is what we want to do with this podcast. 
who can try to convince those who might not agree with us initially. Also something I would love for this podcast to be able to do, to be able to be reached by those who are not out, those people who aren't able to have these conversations in any other way. If you can hear this now, I am thrilled. <laughs> and please keep listening and know that there are more of us out there. That's also partly why it's called It's Complicated, not a, a genderqueer, non-binary, strange creature converses with a strange trans creature from two different countries and talks about what it's like to be queer because it would mean that there'd be people who couldn't openly listen to us. Yeah, exactly. Who couldn't, who couldn't subscribe to us because having something show up going, queer us discuss. Well, the nice thing is, and I'm, I'm very grateful for our position, we're rather lucky that Dr. J is so aware of these social media environments, the medium in itself, you do this as one of your jobs. And we benefit from that. It, it is complicated family, so to speak. We benefit from that because it means that we don't make those early mistakes that a lot of others have, which means we are trying our best to navigate social media space. That isn't to say that we won't get this wrong on occasion, because I don't think there is any way to avoid <laughs> all of that. But our goal is to use this unique platform of a podcast, which in itself is a form of social media, I guess, to communicate to those of us that wouldn't be able to hear this otherwise, and hopefully will become part of our extended family of people who realize that everything is complicated, <laughs> including social media. I think also one of the reasons for holding back on going big on social media is the general toxicity of a lot of social media at the moment. But that said, I am, well, shall I talk to them? Shall, shall I tell people about my... my? Can you talk to them? Who's them? You mean the listener? <laughs> shall I tell our dearly beloved listener? Tell them, yes. About my trolling of the turfs. Some time ago, when Boris Johnson was not the current Prime Minister of the UK, although he may not be the current Prime Minister of the UK when this goes out, because fuck knows, 2020 in time, there was a thing to get Jacob Rees-Mogg to be the Prime Minister. And they started this thing called Mogmentum. Now, yeah. Mogmentum oh my God, I remember this. was a hashtag. And a large number, very much like the TikTokers and the K-poppers trolling Trump, and to troll is to essentially to play a jape in a way that make somebody appear foolish. And if somebody responds to you, it's even better because it's like standing around and doing the smart ass comment to the teacher that they know that they shouldn't respond to. But the moment that they do, you know that you've caught them into a logic loops and all kinds of fun things. So a whole pile of queers got together and decided to troll Mogmentum, which was by posting up pictures of gay marriage and and gay kisses and things like that to it. And a whole pile of people doing this manually. And I thought, you know, I'm sure there's a tool out there that will allow me to set up and do this a bit less manually. And I discovered this wonderful thing called If This Then That. And there's a couple of recipes you can build in that. And I'm not going to give the full details because that would be irresponsible. There's a couple of small <laughs> recipes you can build in there that allow you to post images to hashtags. And I thought, well, Mogmentum may be one hashtag, but there's so many others out there. So I started having a look at what are the biggest anti-trans hashtags 
And there are many things that I could have posted up. I could have posted up fuck you gifts. I could have posted up hatred. I could have posted up so many things. And because of me and because it's me and because it's me trolling, what did I do? I post up pictures of cats and puppies. Of course you did. Because it's so hard to be hateful when you're trying to read a Twitter thread about hatred of a specific group when the next post down is a cat and the next post down is a puppy and then there's another bit of hatred and then the next post down is a cat and it just disrupts the hate. So I set up a recipe that essentially now can only post 25 times a day rather than the 100 times a day that it used to be able to. Thank you, Twitter. Um, But it still quite happily goes out there and in hashtags like adult human female and all those horrible, horrible spaces posts happy little love bombs, kittens and cats and silliness. And it just means that you look at those hashtags and they're trashed because you can't send people to them because hashtags are the way on Twitter of recruiting people to your cause because somebody posts up a hashtag and you click on the hashtag and you can read everything within the hashtag. Now, if you can't make sense of that, if it's full of hatred and then weird cat gifts, it becomes nonsensical and people don't join in the hatred. It's one of the ways in which to use the very unique quality of that particular medium to deal with something. I was going to make a number of jokes, which unfortunately now the timing is off, but Mogmentum and putting pictures of cats in there just amused me. It again demonstrates the point that we've talked about before, which is by including yourself, you change it then. If there is a hashtag that promotes hatred, by including yourself in a fun and absurd way, you have altered that discussion, that discourse. And that is ultimately one of the reasons why I think Dr. J and I remain on social media and also have put this particular podcast together on social media. Because we do realize that one has to remain part of the discussion. And as frustrating and difficult as that is, it is important and it can have an impact. Now, there are lots of ways to defend oneself. And Dr. J has mentioned some of them already and also is something of an expert on that. And I'm very grateful for it because it means I don't have to deal with it. But that doesn't mean that you are going to be completely safe in that discourse. I am concerned about the next time that Twitter has a complete meltdown and it'll get directed at us. I've already had it several times and it's exhausting and can be quite upsetting and has very real impact. I mean, the damage (laughs) can be genuine. So we aren't flippant or ignorant of those concerns. Far from it, I think. We are also going to be absurd about it because that is our response to pretty much everything. For a while there, I was taking on people and I got caught in a couple of pylons. And I was taking on people who were taking on my friends like Travis Alabanza and Paris Lees and, and people like that. And I was disrupting those discourses and people would literally come for me. And, you know, I'd be sitting there and you'd just watch the stream of stuff flood up on your Twitter responses. And that can be really hard to deal with. Your mental health just falls apart. I just remember sitting there looking at it and one of my team, I was at ThoughtWorks and one of my team saw the look on my face and was like are you okay and I just said what had happened and they were like turn off your computer and come and have a cup of coffee and they took me away from it for half an hour 
and we just kind of talked about it. And when I came back, they were like, they were just like, look, let's just turn off the notifications. We'll go back at lunchtime and we'll have a look and see if there's anything worth reading or worth responding to. And it's just that reminder sometimes because when you get caught up in it, if your identity is caught up on social media, those attacks on social media can feel very personal. And some of them were personal. Some of them were accusing me of pedophilia or accusing me of all kinds of things. And one of the cool things was people just went through and went block report, block report, block report. And just reported all of the definitive hate speech and we just left everything else. And I now have a group on my Twitter called Particles of Glitter. (laughs) Now, if you've ever done performance or had sex with anyone who works in burlesque or essentially met anyone, given anyone a hug who does a burlesque show in any way, shape or form, you will arrive home at the end of the night covered in glitter. And for some reason, months later, your bed will still have glitter through it. Your shower will occasionally spout glitter at various points. There will be glitter that just suddenly pops up. But one of the reasons why I called it Particles of Glitter, because it's a reminder of how fabulous your life is. So I call this list Particles of Glitter, because while they are spouting hatred, while they have occasionally gone for me, and I never follow anyone on there. I'm very careful about who I actually follow, but I will monitor people by putting them on lists and things like that. I monitor these particles of glitter because they are a reminder of how fabulous my life is. Because my life is amazing. My life is brilliant. And I look at these people and the fact that they're coming for me is a reminder of just how good I have done in my life. It may sound back to front and there are some people going, that sounds weird. It's that reminder that if these particular people are considering attacking you, then you have done something pretty amazing in your life. And I know that there are people who have had to leave social media, who leave and come back. I never criticize anyone for putting a pause on social media. There are some times when I will be quiet on social media for weeks on end. One of the big things that I find, now I have to say that that I have a beef with YouTube on this. I have a beef with YouTube and the algorithms. I have a bit of a beef with Twitter and some of their algorithms, but I've worked out how to control those slightly more. But YouTube, YouTube, you are sometimes really the way that you pull videos together by theme, you are sending me a queer as queer as fucking queer feminist left-wing whatever you want to call it the fact that occasionally right-wing videos will turn up on my feed is one of those moments i'm like how the fuck does this algorithm work and then having a look and understanding that i watched a response to a right-wing video and i watched a response from h bomber guy to something else and In doing that, I showed a liking of two topics. And the combination of those two topics means that I must be interested in this right-wing utter fucking talking about feminazis and shit like that. And I'm like, no, why would you recommend something like this to me? Well, because it's driving engagement, because that's what these systems are about. They're not about social improvement. They're about driving engagements. They're about money. The problem about social media is that it is a forum very much driven by the almighty dollar. Twitter does not give a shit. 
Facebook most certainly does not give a shit. And YouTube, absolutely not. Google don't care. What they care about is eyeballs and ad revenue. That's what they care about. And so they're going to drive you to the most controversial things because that almost always gets the most eyeballs. So that's what they're going to get their revenue from. That's the problem with social media. But like so many things we've discussed, by being within them, we can change them. Jay has figured out what the rules are, much like society in general. You have figured out what the rules are and you figured out how to work within those restrictive rules. And then you do what you can within that circumstance to subvert it. And it's not about taking up that system wholeheartedly and going, well, I guess we better be on Twitter and do what everyone does. We have to be on there to be able to reach the people that we hope to reach. But we can do it in a queer and kinky, fabulous way. And I'm sure that we will, because that's who we are. Absolutely. To avoid the inevitable a little while longer, can I recommend that you go to one of our social media sites, patreon.com, where you can help us continue to provide this fabulous podcast and many other things. It's patreon.com slash it is complicated on one word. So, she said, knowing what is about to come, what shall we talk about next week? Well, I'm sure JK Rowling has tweeted something that may be of interest to that we could discuss. If you want to know about the editing process, that yeah. laugh now becomes the, 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 the trail off into the yeah. ding, 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 ding. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> into me playing my ukulele. Yeah. That's me doing, yeah, that's, that's what I did. Ding, 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 ding. I know, I know, I know. 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 I know